Welcome to another episode of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. I'm Deborah Tarika. And I'm Joel Spence. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them, and here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I won't have to redo that one, I don't think. Uh, I, I liked the, there was like a natural... Um, Dead quality to it. Yes. <laughs> Much like your eyes. <laughs> uh, how was your day today, t- today Deborah? Uh, oh, fine. Cool. All right. So let's go right into... Uh... Don't go too topical. <laughs> you, can't. you can't. What if people know that I had got a... Someone yelled Fredo at Cuomo last night. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to happen every night from here on out. <laughs> Should we go right into this particular song? Yeah. Do you want to start? Yeah, this reminds me. Sure. This is, I went kind of uncool, which I don't care about. Oh. Um, <laughs> That's and I, to the point, and by the song is so great, I, I actually had to do a little research to make sure I haven't already played this song. Okay. So you've already thought about being uncool. Yeah. Oh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. This is Pat Benatar, Shadows of the Night. Big intro. So this song is so fucking dramatic. Do you remember this song? Oh, gosh, yes. I don't remember it from, like, when it came out, but I I know this song. When I was a kid, I wanted to be Neil Gerardo, who's her, Pat Benatar's husband and sort of collaborator, all-time collaborator. Also, just to fantasize about being her husband is very funny. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that's where it came from first. It's like, I want to be married to her. Oh, he's playing guitar. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. That's pretty cool. Um, This isn't uncool. Is Pat Benatar uncool? Well, it's just sort of like, it's sort of cheesy. It's like... This is like the most meatloaf of her songs. That's fair. That is so a like, brilliant description you know, of it. Arm yeah. in the air, kind of fist in the air. But that's just fun and anthony. Yeah. I would say your air supply songs were the uncool ones. Yeah, maybe. Well, I have a whole, whole selection of uncool. <laughs> but there's something specific about this song where like, if it had just been recorded in a little bit of a different era without maybe the synthesizer, Yeah. It would have been like a like a Bruce Springsteen song yeah. almost. Yeah. You know I mean? And if it had come out like when Poison had their album, it would have been a complete flop because we were just so sick of all this. Yes. Stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but she's great. It would have unskinny bopped its way out of <laughs> out of the social consciousness. <laughs> I remember this video. It was like this concept video of Pat Benatar, sort of a Rosie the Riveter character, uh-huh. and then she dreams of being a World War II flying ace, and then she imagines that she's part of this whole mission 
If there's not a fantasy part of this, like, then what what do we even do? Oh, you know, I was listening to a book on tape that's like the oral history of MTV, Uh and there's one section where it's just all of these different recording artists, musicians, all talking about like the dawn of the music video and yeah. like how dumb some of them were. Yes. And I, I, I want to say there was an entire section about that video <laughs> where they were just like, you know, it's like the drummer going like, I don't know what the fuck we were doing <laughs> in that video. I don't understand why all of a sudden we were all... Yeah, uh, wearing costumes. Being like, we were all on the Memphis Bell dropping, <laughs> dropping bombs. The Dirty Dozen? <laughs> like being on the like front end of music videos is such an insane where it's anything anything goes no one knows and everyone's just like this is cool yeah (laughs) and it was all shot on video like on like there's there's like light tracers whenever the camera moves I remember the moment when they started to add the director of the of the videos Mm -hmm. to the little credit thing and I always wondered if Half the director's guild was like, please don't. Let's. Yeah. <laughs> the other half was, we've got to. Like, no, that's just, I'd rather my name not be on something. Otherwise, how am I going to know about Wayne Isham? <laughs> Wayne Isham. Who was that? Was oh, he, a- he did a bunch of, uh, like, uh, he did a bunch of, like, metal videos, like, later on. Wayne, okay. Wayne Isham. Wayne. That's, uh, yeah, you know that that's how I know that name. Do you remember one of the particular? I think he did... Uh, wherever I may roam, uh, the Metallica video. Okay, okay. This is a good memory. You've Which was memory. that was solely a video of we're on tour, so we're gonna s- spend the day mm. filming us on stage sure. in an empty arena. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you playing get the, the best song. feedback. Yeah, right? like you know. <laughs> but it's yeah. just like oh, they just that so in Topeka that day. Yeah, they made that video. They right. flew Wayne Isham in. With a camera crew, and they, uh, get wherever Wayne, they roamed, get Wayne on the on the horn. Yeah, we got an empty we got an empty arena and no Wayne. <laughs> it's rough. All right, so you want to introduce? I know yeah. it's important to you that you introduce. <laughs> I mean, it's my song. It is. Uh, my song that I picked is uh, called "You Go On Ahead" by Sunset Rubdown. Any you know? I don't know never heard of that. It's uh, it's. Uh, Spencer Krug, I think Krug Krug, from Wolf Parade. This is an offshoot band of his. Uh, And I love this band. And this album came out in 2009. um, And it's, the whole album is about aging. And I think it's like, he turned 30 and he made this album. Uh, And it was like a little bit before I turned 30. And it was, but we were all like, it was, my group of friends were all like on the verge of it. And it was just a very, um, it just like that album at that time was so important to me, and mm. this song in particular is—it's like the—it's the best, and it's mm. weird. It's a weird. He's weird. It's a weird song, but it's so beautiful. And this is a song that uh, Al- Alex is my husband. We uh, we have talked about. We we think it'll be kind of funny and also appropriate to play this. Uh, whoever's funeral dies first, or at whoever's. Whoever dies first funeral. Because it's just called You Go On Ahead list. for a While. <laughs> uh, and we almost played this at our wedding, like as the right like after they announced. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it starts off a little too slow and we needed something that like you we needed, needed some, some high energy. Yeah, you needed <laughs> to start off the marriage. Mm-hmm. I kinda remember 
listening to it for the first time I was doing the puzzle, <laughs> as I do. <laughs> you mean the very first time you ever puzzled in your life? No. <laughs> first time I heard this album. That's, that's what specific. it sounded like. That would be amazing. That's very specific. No, the I don't very first that. time I ever did a puzzle. What happened Weirdly, in your youth? I was 30. Yes. Uh, Lots of changes that year. <laughs> it was a big time for me. <laughs> Sunset Rubdown. Mm-hmm. That that is a great name. It's a good. It's a good name. They have this whole album is worth a listen. Are you going ahead for a while? I would like to just follow you a while. And you go on ahead for a while. I would like. I don't know if you would listen to it and be like, I love this immediately, but it I think it grows on you and his voice and the weirdness. Like, do, do you know Wolf Parade yeah. at all? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you like Wolf Parade, then I think you'd like yeah, He's got a very uh, identifiable uh, voice. Yeah. Said a prayer for our safe arrival and then a big black car crossed our path. I wondered... I'm a fan of Morning Deep Tish. What's up? It's the opposite of this band. The oh, sunset yeah? rub down. I like the morning deep tish. <laughs> deep tissue. Deep tiss. It oh, <laughs> <laughs> sounds somehow somehow sounds grosser than sunset rub down. Well yeah. morning deep tiss. <laughs> I think saying tiss makes tiss it weirder makes instead it of tish. Tiss is weird. I like tish. tish. I, I like tissue. Tish. Yeah, the tish. <laughs> Oh, got to wake up tomorrow and get a morning deep dish. That see? That mm. sounds like a good way to start the yeah. day. And it's honestly, l- you could have sold me on that. You could have kept going about that. I would have been like, I think I've heard of well, that. Well, there was part of me that was thinking, <laughs> do you go the opposite of sunset, which would be morning? Mm-hmm. Or right. do you go Dusk. very specific oh. and you go, uh, no, the street, poinsettia. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, massage. <laughs> I'm gonna a vine punch. <laughs> that just sounds like a drink. All of these sound like good bands. Yeah, a vine punch. There's 30 more minutes on this song. <laughs> it is. It is a long. It's a long, it's a long, long one. one. You can fade it out if you want. Oh, good. Uh, Give it the Brady Bunch. It's almost fade. done. What is that? Partridge Family fade. Where this song just fades out, but they're still on stage performing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking as awkward as possible. I'm digging this though. I like this song. Yeah, that would have been. A- How big was your wedding party that would have. <laughs> well, you only we play a little around. of it. <laughs> go around start. Okay. Sorry, Walk it's a long song. Pretending like you weren't there. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. If you're digging this podcast, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Deborah and I love doing this show, and good reviews help us continue to bring fun guests and great albums to you. Special thanks to those of you who already have rated and reviewed. You know who you are, we know who you are, and we're looking forward to reading some new ones. And now, back to the program. 
Our guest is an actor and a director hailing from Sacramento, California. He's best known for his roles in Fargo, Life in Pieces, Orange County, and most recently the Jumanji film series. Deborah wrote, wrote this and walked right past the good guys coldly. That's I did. I should have included that. I thought about it and I forgot that you were in it. I'm sorry, Joel. Cold, <laughs> cold if, if any letter. of this is wrong, this please is... say I just got it off with no, that's No, that's, that's, that's accurate. This is a tough town. It's rough. He also has a line of original handkerchiefs yeah. called Hank's Kerchiefs that can be found at hankskerchiefs at com. right? Is that accurate? Hankskerchiefs.com. Hankskerchiefs.com. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, Colin Hanks, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is a treat. What particular album is very, very important to you? First off, let me just say, I love the title of this podcast <laughs> for its oh, brevity. Okay. Um, but it's, 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 it's great. If, if ever there was a podcast in, that I, in an alternate uh, dimension that I uh, would create and host. This would this would be oh, the one. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, because uh, there's nothing I love more about uh, than listening to people talk about their favorite albums, the ones that mean the most to me. And and the particular album for me is uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh man, great. That's a big one. Great. That's a big one. It is a big one. Um. <laughs> And right off the bat, there's something about this that just grabbed my attention. This little part yeah. right here, where all of a sudden the music it goes from AM die. radio yes. to FM radio. It goes from AM to FM. It goes from like the one inner small speaker to the big speaker. Oh, yeah. Loved it. That yeah. that moment, the very first time I, I you know had the album, I bought the album, and I listened to it. That was like it captivated me. There's so much about this album that, for me personally, I still love unabashedly. Yeah. That maybe has not aged as well or or is as cool or any of those things, but there's so much about just, like, the landscape that this album lives in that, to me, goes, oh, well, of course this was, like, the defining album for me because it, it taught me so much about music and music structure and the intricacies of how a band works and, and where they're at in their career that it just influenced me in a million different ways that I'm still sort of discovering you know yeah. 25 years later yeah. so where were you uh, what what part of schooling I would have been in seventh grade going into eighth grade yeah I mean the, the album came in came out in 91 September yeah. of 91 released the same day as Nirvana's Nevermind that's makes is, total sense but it's also crazy it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. a little bit insane but it was also an album that seemed to last for like two years because mm -hmm. uh -huh. I think their last single was released in 1993 which is a yeah. full yeah. like two years later yeah and in that time, I discovered this band and then immediately started finding out what their whole back catalog. Okay. Yeah, and so you started with this. Yeah, started with this and then went backwards. And then from that moment on, I was just like the diehard fan who was like, you know, had a, like a Red Hot Chili Peppers like logo on my wrist with <laughs> a Sharpie pen because <laughs> tattoos are cool and I can't get one yet. Yeah. So was the, this was your band? 
This was my band. This was, yeah, this was the in 91... Seventh grade, you know, this going like into eighth grade. Seventh grade album oh, to yeah. feel like risky and like well, it was like everything. Bad yeah, it was it was everything that I that I I I wanted but didn't know yet. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was this complex, you know, multifaceted album that had a a different sort of vibe and direction on on almost every song um but then it was also about stuff that i didn't understand yet you know there was a lot of sexual references that i was (laughs) very much into at the time because that was not something i had had yet (laughs) um you know but then also you know peppered throughout are you know little aspects of of you know I don't want to say education, but like just expanding my mind a little bit. Yeah. Right. I, mean, I mean, even on on this song, the idea of like, I got my tapes, my death CDs, I got my public enemy. My little white ass is tickled pink when I listen to the music that makes me think. Like those kinds line, of things, yeah. you know, for a seventh grader, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. And... I already loved Public Enemy, so <laughs> that's a reference Another that I understood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Doesn't that make you feel so special, especially as a kid, when you're like, I get that. I yeah. understand what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something they're so... Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. But then, like, even even this song, totally different yeah. from yeah. the previous song before. And I had no exposure to... <laughs> to funk music yeah. when I was growing up. Yeah. yeah. And so this was, like, this song was a chance to start, like, exploring a completely new genre of music that I didn't really know. And while also being a kid, it was weird. It was yeah. di- it was different, you know, uh, the way Anthony Kiedis would... Would do the little different things with his voice, yeah. so it almost sounded like a cartoon almost. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the bass is doing something very sort of weird and and yeah. sort of like not on rhythm, but sort of but in rhythm. It was just all very new to me. And there was a component of well, this is new music that I, I, I I'm I'm intrigued by, and it's being delivered to me in a way that that is familiar because. It's awkward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it's 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 these these guys that aren't afraid to be weird and and contort their bodies in weird ways and and make yeah. weird sounds with their yeah. with their with their mouths and and just be odd. Yeah. And uh-huh. that was, I think, the main draw for me is like, oh, here are some other people that are also odd, but then they're also super cool because they they clearly had sex. Yeah. <laughs> They yeah. loved it. They loved it. Yeah. They Kita seems to me like not a singer. He seems like a hype man who can sing. Yeah. Man. He's like yeah. he's very much his own entity. But this album in particular, and I didn't really realize it until I had gone through sort of their back catalog, but this was like a huge departure for them. Huge departure for them. I mean, not only um, was it only the second album in which they had uh, John Frusciante and, and, and Chad Smith, but sonically it sounds so different from 
the previous album, Mother's Milk, which is this sort of like almost metal, loud, in-your-face, just sort of like cacophony of sound. From that have Knocked Me Down in it. That has Knocked Me Down in it and Higher Ground. This album really clued me into sounds and textures yeah. and um, even as a kid yeah even as a, as a kid because um, so this this album was recorded in a uh, in a mansion yeah here in Los Angeles it was apparently Houdini's yeah house. Houdini yeah. yeah did you read the Wikipedia just like yeah. It's insane that they basically moved into a house and recorded this in 30 days. And it was to get away from that sort of big recording studio type environment, which was so, you know, what all the other albums had sort of been recorded, recorded in. And this one is just has this organic yeah. sound where it's they're, they're they're seemingly not afraid of the acoustics of playing putting the drums in a big room it's, and doing the yeah. vocals in a bedroom and and doing all that sort of stuff and and so I all of a sudden became aware of oh that the, the not only the vibes of each song are different and breaking the girl is a perfect example of that. The, the way that it's recorded makes a huge impression yeah. Yeah. on the on the music itself. Feels like it's in a big room, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the drums feel like they were recorded in a big room, and, and they're and they're they're roaming, and, and and there's this almost sort of like rising tide with with, with, with the music, but with, you know, with, with the drums. But then at the same time, the the uh, guitar and the acoustic guitar has this incredibly melodic building, sort of driving yeah. sort of rhythm to it. Um, but then there's like a Mellotron, <laughs> yeah. which is something that I had only heard in like a Led Zeppelin song, which I had maybe discovered uh, maybe a few months before yeah. I you yeah. know, discovered this album. So I was starting to already see the way that previous music influenced yeah. them. That was the way she was before Red Hot Chili Peppers in your life, what were you listening to? Like, was there? I was a child of MTV. Yeah. I mean, I was. Whatever was on. Yeah, whatever was on MTV. I mean, I was really, you know, I was already pretty fanatical about about music, and you know, I had discovered, you know, the Beastie Boys and Run DMC, you know, on cassette tapes, and, and obviously Public Enemy was also a, a, a big big one as well. Um, but then I was also, you know, I knew about. The unskinny bops and the cherry pies and the, you know all of that with with hair metal and, and, and MTV and I would spend a lot of my time watching it like that was really sort of like how I would spend my afternoons and so to then all of a sudden become overly passionate about very specific bands. Yeah. 
That really then was, I mean, that was the, the game changer. And, and, you know, this album was really sort of the, the one that, that launched it for me. I became obsessed with this because I had sort of started to hear it in the outer world. Yeah. But my obsession far outweighed anyone else's obsession. You know, <laughs> so the fact that I mean, even like that, like that percussion breakdown. I'm fascinated by the fact that there's a percussion breakdown in the middle of this beautiful, gorgeous song in which all the percussion is played on garbage. Yeah. yeah on yeah. hubcaps and garbage cans and yeah. and and how incredible that is and, and what a what a great sort of little few bars of just chaos yeah. and and people are like they're they're playing garbage like why is that cool <laughs> but for me like the fact that then this was the band that saw on MTV and became super popular like I felt like I got in right before it became yeah. cool. That's not true. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I, mean. I felt like I did, and that's because <laughs> I was so passionate about this album that it just far outweighed any you know anything else. It felt like everybody else was coming along with me yeah. as opposed to me following. Yeah. Yeah. It is. This was what, when we emailed you, when Joel emailed you originally, this was what you, there was no like, there's a lot no of the time we're like, a no. few albums or whatever. If you and need you help whittling it down, music. you knew. Yeah. All of that is because there's something in, there's aspects all throughout this album that I still can connect to right away. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, the album is dedicated to Mike Watt. Who is Mike Watt? Well, Mike Watt ended up, you know, you know, was a huge influence on my life because he played in the Minutemen and the and the punk scene. And and you know, a few years later, he had an an album called Ball Hog or Tugboat that was like this like alt rock all star band. Right. You know, right, so right. all of a sudden, I started listening a lot to to them. Then you know, uh, they make references to the Meters. Who are the Meters? Oh, well. Les Claypool and Primus also covered the meters on another album. And so yeah. it just spirals. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, there's Robert Johnson's song at the very end. It's, yeah. There's just so many different aspects of the ecosystem, musical yeah. ecosystem you yeah. already How have. How did you find it? Like, because uh, the internet wasn't super accessible. Tower Records. Point. Yeah. Tower wow. We should talk yeah. about your doc. Talk, us, talk to us about your documentary. I did a documentary called All Things Must Pass um, that came out in 2015 that was uh, it basically, you know, is a chronicle of the, the, the rise and fall of, uh, of Tower. Uh, Tower started in Sacramento. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, that so there was a hometown connection for me. Um, and it was just super fascinating sort of storyline of this guy who started selling, you know, used 78s out of his father's drugstore in the 40s and then ended up closing 200 stores around the world uh, in the 2000s. And I thought, what a, what a life. Yeah. And so I spent seven years of my life um, 
you know, making that dock on and off. Um, in fact, when we were in Dallas, that was like a big down, <laughs> although I didn't make much of the movie when I was in Dallas, but um, there was something about that story that I felt compelled to tell. And, and I think one of the reasons why is because I remember buying this album at Tower Records. Yeah. I remember buying the long box of it mm-hmm. back when they still had long boxes, yeah. and the artwork, the, the 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 artwork on on the album with the four uh, yeah. band members and them sort of like sticking their tongues out and the, and the uh, rose in the middle. That was a, a design that couldn't be stretched out and fit, so they just put two of them on top of each other. <laughs> ah, fuck it. Um, yeah, and I remember, like, because I used to cut up my long box covers and put them on my wall, and I'm like, well, do I keep I was, it together, or do I cut it, and then I have two? Like, what do I do? I was going to ask you, because I, like, being such a big fan, like, I'm. what did your... 12 year old 13 year what how seventh grade yeah. self what was your room what did your room look like oh it was a mix of all sorts of posters of the chili peppers a lot of the sort of you know nirvana yeah. pearl jam primus thousand change stuff a lot of uh hockey posters yeah i was a big hockey fan uh, did you have a picture of the the movie, or the movie poster, The Crow, like Deborah did. <laughs> <laughs> no, Your but memory. I remember. I remember buying that, <laughs> buying that CD. It's our record. Really good CD. Sixteenth and Broadway. <laughs> Power was the only place where I could go and find out about these other bands yeah. that are referenced on this album. And so that's where I find, like, that's where I go, like, hey, who are the meters? Yeah. Uh, oh, well, they're this, that's you know, they're so this funk band wow, yeah. out of, uh, you know, out of New Orleans. And here's, you know, here's all the songs that they played. And, and uh, who are, who's Mike Watt? And, you know, who are the Minutemen? And, and who is Firehose? You know, um, all of these references, um, you know, and some of the references stuck. Yeah. You know, some of them didn't. I mean, I remember there's one song on this album where they, he references Charles Bukowski and I like bought one Bukowski book and I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. This is not, <laughs> yeah. this, I'm not, I'm, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm there yet. It's okay if you're never um, there. That's okay. Were you <laughs> living with your mom at that time? Or? I was, yeah, I was, yeah. My parents divorced when I was pretty young. So my mom lived in Sacramento. My dad lived in LA. And so I would spend school years up in Sacramento. So that was really where I was raised. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I would come down to Los Angeles, you know, every other weekend and, and sort of on summers um, did she uh, ever did she like your music choices did she no she didn't really care for them um, at that point my mom had sort of she'd become sort of born again so everything oh, gotcha. was kind of Satan's music yeah 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 um, right, right, right. which was ironic because she was like really into like David Bowie and the, <laughs> and the Ramones when I was younger yeah, and yeah. then all of a sudden it just became classical music right it's kind of heartbreaking that it takes your music away from you yeah Yeah, a little bit you know but in a strange way it's 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 been kind of great because when i i remember having these memories of listening to peter gabriel and paul simon and bowie and the ramones and 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 all of that and then and then there's this gray area 
where I get to discover my own music. Yeah. Yeah. And see the parallels between the, you know, mm-hmm. b- between those, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then, you know, ignoring the album of like DC Talk that my mom tried to give me. Yeah. You know, <laughs> DC Talk, for those who don't know, it stands for Decent Christian Talk. I didn't ah. know that. Christian, oh. Christian rap, I believe. Mm. Yeah. Didn't give that one a full listen, if I'm being quite honest. <laughs> I, that I, one with Bukowski. That particular <laughs> album, not so much. Um, but so you had to kind of sneak around with the Peppers, or was no, it just No, I didn't it have just to sneak around. Uh, no, it was just, that was music that was for my room. Yeah. yeah. And sure. that was the music that we listened to in my room. Gotcha. And that was So you're still allowed. You're still. Place. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're not, I'm not like slipping this in. You know, I'm not listening to Sir Psycho Sexy in the car with my mom. Yeah. Um, you know, or really, you know, any of the other music, um, you know, at that time, you know, like yeah. Nirvana and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think I've mentioned really this important. before, but my mom was sort of bullied me <laughs> one moment when I was playing New Order. Oh, her. yeah. I was just, I, I was listening to that <laughs> oh, okay. in, in the car on the way here. Okay. <laughs> because, yeah. I mean, She's that's like, a great cool episode for you. with John. Oh, it's John yeah. Ross Bauer. Yeah, yeah. That's right, yeah. That's a great episode. <laughs> oh, cool. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that was very funny. She's like, really? This yeah. is the one? You used to like the Who, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I remember specifically, like earlier. Oh well, no, it was probably maybe around around this time. You know, where I was discovering the Led Zeppelins and, and the Doors and all of that. And I remember listening to the Doors one day, and she just went like, "Oh, can we not?" Li-? She kind of like went dude on me with the Eagles. She's like, "Anything but the fucking Doors. They were so." I, I've been there. They're not that great. And, you know. Putting aside my born again yeah, right now. Putting aside doors like suck. anything but the doors. <laughs> I think of the other big component of learning about all of this, this, this world out there through this was this was one of the very first songs I learned to play bass to. Oh, I was going to ask if you are yeah. you play. Suck and yeah. yes, uh, yeah, Suck My Kiss was the the, the first song that I, I learned to play on bass and and this was around the time where I decided I want to learn how to play an instrument. Yeah. And and flee. Flee. And and the bass oh. was uh, the perfect intro yeah. to that. I was thinking today I'm thinking about just all the images of him of just this band in general. It's like they were told they never learned their instruments without moving like a mad person. Yeah. It's yeah. like that's so part of their playing is them just physically attacking everything. And the, there was a component of that as uh, as we blow some dust outside, <laughs> um, as we blow all of those. He's so thorough. Those le- those, that leaf blower is yeah. really. I'm trying to make this more of a positive thing. He's really thorough. It's um, it's good. No leaf left behind. It's good, and it's also the most quiet song on the album right now too. Which <laughs> oh, was there a song helpful. playing? This <laughs> <laughs> is also good, um, but there was a. Uh, I mean, this is a weird song to sort of bring it up, but they played with a. Uh, an energy that not many right. other bands oh, played yeah. with, and it's I mean, it which was p- just l- them lunacy. losing their shit. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's and lunacy. as a f- yeah. as a thirteen, fourteen year old boy, mm-hmm. heaven, yeah, because yeah. that's the exact yeah. same thing I'm doing in my room. I my body, which I'm not comfortable in, sure. yeah. which is not 
good looking or 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 anything that I'm I I, I hate because I'm a teenager and it's yeah. changing and all that sort of stuff. But that idea of just being able to make weird noises and run around and be, and abandoned. just be yeah. odd, yes, th- and just and just lose lose yourself in the dance and dance like no one's watching. Uh, yeah, like but it is true when when you know you're you're 14 and and you close that bedroom door and you can do that. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the good stuff. Yeah. We even talked about it in the Bowie episode, just like those bands that you find when you're an adolescent, where they somehow sonically in their groove connect perfectly with what's going on, the, the madness of yeah. adolescence. Like, but you, you finally quite... have somebody that gets how you're feeling. Yeah. And 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 that it was multi-dimensional. Do you yeah, know what it I wasn't mean? just... Yeah. So, like, and this song is actually a good example of it. I mean, I, I Could Have Lied is, is, you know, one of the most, you know, melancholy, sad songs on the album. Yeah. Um, and it's the exact opposite of them going nuts and them you know singing mm-hmm. you know suck my kiss and going yeah. insane but right. it's it's also lining up just perfectly with that oh man i really like megan and i wish <laughs> yeah you know and that sort Wait, of you find budding, your way to like drive it in yeah that budding sort is. of like sensitivity do you know what i mean and that was such an antithesis from everything that i had sort of been absorbing in the years prior with, you know, Motley Crue and Poison and and and, yeah. and sort of hair warrant. metal and yeah. Warrant yes. and all that sort of stuff, where there was you were allowed to have a sensitive mm-hmm. side to to your music. And, and again, this is not a song that would be on Mother's Milk yeah. or Uplift Mofo Party Plan or, or Freaky Styler or the, the the other albums before. This is them going in a new direction and as a young person hearing that and going like, oh no, it's okay to have that yeah. side to you was important because, yeah. you know, you're, you know, the instinct is always, you know, as a young boy is just be like, no, I'm no. fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. fine. Yeah. Don't worry so about hard. me. Did you ever see them live? Uh, I've seen them live multiple times since, but I, I didn't get to see them on this tour. I desperately wanted to go see them play Lollapalooza that summer, yeah. but I was not allowed to go. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, That's I wouldn't a have fair been. thing no, for, not for fair. a parent. No, yeah. not fair. <laughs> oh not fair. It's totally fair. Um, but at the time, it was grossly unfair. Have you ever uh, met them? I have, yeah. I actually met them um, uh, on, I met Anthony on a few occasions uh, passingly and then um, there's a bit of a name drop, but uh, they were the musical guest on an episode of Saturday Night Live that my dad, Michael Keaton, had hosted. Um, and not long, long, I love that joke. Long story. It's a, it's a long, that's a deep cut uh, for those who might know. Um, but I, uh, I had never uh, gone to an SNL taping, um, even though my dad had, had done quite a few, and that was also a big dream for me. So I, I went out for that, and, yeah. and I got to meet him. And they were, they were... They were cool. Mm-hmm. They were they were nice. They were friendly. Yeah. 
they, they, I was such a nervous wreck. Yeah. But they were very, yeah. very cool and, and very friendly. And, and, and I said, okay, that's, that, that's good. Yeah. What that, uh, era was that for them? That was Stadium Arcadium. So at that point, they had sort of um, come back around and, okay. and were, you know, released this huge double album. And, okay. And that was, you know, also around the time where I'm like, I like the Chili Peppers and I'll always sort of like them and I'll always check in with them. But I had ceased to be a diehard fan. Yeah. Right. But I was still the diehard fan mm-hmm. boy uh, well, of 13, 14. Yeah. I was, I'll always be, yeah. I'll always be that. Yeah. Um, but at that point, it was really just more about getting to see them and just getting to say hello and just, yeah. t- and just tell them like, you know, your music means a lot to me. Because yeah. I think that's an important distinction. Like, I don't know you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a, you know, we're just meeting for the first time. So I want to just tell you that the music that you've made yeah. is incredibly important to me. Yeah. And, you are not my best friend. And but. hopefully, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And hopefully this isn't too weird for you. Yeah. But Should I stop hugging you now? <laughs> yes? Okay. <laughs> Can I have your email, please? <laughs> Do you prefer to listen to music alone or are you a person that enjoys it? Like, did you have friends that you would listen to this album with? No, I was, I've always kind of been, you know, listening to music alone. Yeah. It's, there's always been a component to me. Of, would you uh, like us to leave? <laughs> Please. <laughs> guys, I, you guys keep asking me questions over this music. I'm trying to hear the music. Um, I, I, yeah, I've always been someone that that's sort of listened by myself. Um, but... I love going to concerts. Yeah. I love music. I, I I'll talk and and to tons of people about music. Um, so I don't have a problem. What I don't like is people who are like, "Oh, listen to this. this is my favorite part." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, "Yeah." Can we just let it be yeah. and exist? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was there was just so much about this particular time in my life of just being a 14 year old boy alone in my room where I just, I devoured music. I just listened to everything I possibly could um, on my shitty little uh, boombox. (laughs) Was it like filling something, like a need for you? Uh, We've talked about that so much in the Bowie episode and like Aaron's episode, like where it becomes your friend? Yeah, oh, it fills a hole. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It fills a hole and it gives me something to to want to learn about you know what I mean Um, so much of you know adolescence or um, not adolescence is it adolescence teenage years whatever I guess Um, it's tween now or teenage but it's I don't know but that (laughs) era of your life is there's so much self doubt and there's so much um just seeming, uh, seemingly never-ending drama about everything. Yeah, that it was uh, such a relief to be able to listen to music and be taken away from that, not worry about that, or 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 get ammunition to be able to use in certain scenarios. Yeah. Um, you know, to try and find a, a common language and, and currency with other people. Um, you know. Uh, and the fact that, well, if these people don't care about, you know, how this album was recorded, well, I do. <laughs> so I'm going to dive in yeah. right away. And, yeah. and, and, and I did. And, you know, there's a, um, 
There's an accompanying documentary about the making of this called Funky Monks, which was the very first documentary I ever watched. Yeah. Huge influence on my life, and and now that I look back on it, it's not surprising that I've made you know documentaries you know as a result. But that was all about the recording of this and being in that house and working with Rick Rubin and doing all these things. So when I'm in my room by myself and I'm listening to all this music, I will go so deep into the nuances and, and yeah. you know, I've always wished that there's someone right behind me that's like, yeah, isn't that cool too? <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm fine going it alone yeah. you know, if need be. Were you into Fishbone? Yes. Oh, of course. <laughs> I feel like they, they're they like two sides of the same. Santa Barbara, I think like every year. I was oh, is that there. right? Yeah, they're they like the Santa Barbara constantly. Bowl a lot of time. Yeah. 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 No, Fishbone was a was another sort of offshoot where I had been familiar with that band, but I didn't really have the entree. But then when they're talking about Fishbone, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I need to find out about Fishbone. Yeah. I, you know, I need to learn learn more and and so much of this is of a specific era in music that now when I look back on it I go oh man thank god I came up in that era because although there's plenty of stuff from this era that now I look back on and I go like that is fucking horrible yeah Um, there's a lot of stuff that I go, okay, well, it's not the life-changing, or it, it's not the revolutionary song or anything like that, but it was life-changing to me at that time. Mm-hmm. And, like, Fishbone um, was was a part of that. Fishbone, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. Mm-hmm. Um, Jane's Addiction yeah. was oh, yeah. another huge one that yeah. was just incredible. And, you know, which brings us to, to this one. <laughs> Which, you know, um, this was the song that I had heard in the sort of atmosphere. And then once I put two and two together and I went, oh, th- this is the guy, that, that bass line, this is the guy that's got yeah. the, the stuffed animal pants? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I want to I wanna find out more about this band. have to talk about the video too yeah it is. this is a video i saw yeah, yeah. Kid. not this wayne Isham, one of them stefan no, no. serui i want to say oh, no. oh, oh, totally butchering the name but. this video scared the shit out of me as a kid <laughs> i was like 10 or 11 when this album came out and it was like i went back and rewatched it for this and i was like what was so scary to me and it was the close-up mouth shots yeah yeah and then the crotch like shooting through the crotch yeah. stuff and i was like this is Danger and, and the horns and all, yeah. you know, like. But it's it's the yeah for sure. I, yeah, it is <laughs> it a so jarring scary. video, but it's also so. It was like a perfect introduction. Yes. If you'd never heard of, Red oh, Hot, it's like yeah. that is who they are. And, they and are. Desert but not only that, that like, but not only that, but it's actually sort of like the elevated version. Do you know what I mean? Because if you look at the video now, it it is a piece of art. Yeah. That's, you know, there aren't people, well, there are people dressed like that in Hollywood sometimes, <laughs> yes. but that's, it's this that's elevated thing where yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the film is playing backwards and they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're painted up silver and they're in the desert and doing these weird things where you just watch and you go, what, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, 
I want to know everything about yeah. this. Yeah. And and it's 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 always strange when you go back and you hear this song that sort of like opens a band up right. yes. like like that, you know, like a teen spirit for Nirvana mm-hmm. or even even flow for Pearl Jam or something like that. But the 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 thing that I love about this even though it's the last song they played every concert, there's a weirdness to this that that still exists. It's still, mm-hmm. you know, yes, it's the song you've heard a million times and you know it, and there are periods where you liked it a little bit less than maybe <laughs> you do now. But if you play it loud and you and you you really sort of take in what everyone is doing in this song, it's it's a perfect song. It's yeah. a perfect song. The I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I was at a a, a party where the DJ played Rebel Rebel at David Bowie's mm-hmm. you know that song yeah. and I've that song's been part of my life for a long period of time it's a great song but the DJ played it at such a volume that I was like oh this is a completely different song yeah. at high volume and it's wow. great This idea of them sort of going into this new space where it's this sort of lo-fi sound, but they're playing, you know, the guitar solo is backwards and there's a there's a, a, a jaw, like a harp throughout the whole song. Mm. And Flea is doing this really sort of weird slide. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not slapping and popping and throwing in tons of notes. In fact, he's he's doing the opposite of what he had been known yeah. at that time, which was just going nuts. Mm-hmm. It was this like not Groove. going too noty. Yeah. Well, I was reading something where he, he was quoted talking about Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth, where she had said something about like white dudes playing bass. Yeah. Uh, that get too fancy. It's just like their machismo coming out. Something like that. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. he like took that as a note for him personally. And oh, then wow. like for this album, really like took that to heart. There oh. was something. I remember reading a quote from him where he was talking about, you know, being from Los Angeles. And at this point, you know, my, my dad lives in L.A. I come down to L.A. a lot, but I am Northern California, born and bred. That That's, that's where my home is. And so there was this thing about Los Angeles that was both appealing and totally disgusting at the same sure. time. And he had actually, Flea had said this quote, he says, we're, it was like, we're LA to the bone, we're everything. We are, you know, the mother, you know, selling tacos on mm-hmm. Alvarado Street, but we're also the lady on Rodeo with fake tits. Mm-hmm. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, they, yeah. they seem to encapsulate all of that. Yeah. And that was appealing to me. Do you know, yeah. there, there, I can't deny that there was a bonehead young boy mentality of going nuts and ape shit in your room, just making, ah, you know, yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. But then there was also, uh, a complexity to some of the other songs that I really like. The documentary that sort of accompanies this, which is basically just a documentary about them recording the album mm-hmm. and what was go- what they were doing, and it's you know track by track in some cases, and it's Rick Rubin dealing with them and you know talking about not being too naughty on you know recording "Give It Away" or you know uh, what it was like you know recording the trash cans and stuff <laughs> for "Breaking the Girl." Like mm. there were all of these. 
There were all these components. There were all these components of the recording process and the artistic endeavor that they were going through, where they were they were really trying to push themselves artistically. And that yeah. was a huge influence for me. Because yeah. I never equated music as, as art. Mm-hmm. I know it sounds dumb, but when you're that young, that it's age, just you something that's about it. on. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, I talk about this with with uh, some of my friends who are musicians, and we talk about it all the time. Like, there's some people, music is just the thing that is playing at the bank. Yeah. yeah. You know, which is kind of even a dumb thing to say now because the majority <laughs> of people are not going into sure. the bank. Um, but it's just, you know, it's just this thing that's on. And yeah. then for everyone else, it's 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 more. Everything. And, and then yeah. there's another, li- you know. Oh, I see, yeah. And then, th- and then it goes to 11. Yeah. And yeah. that was, for me, how I then sort of, that was the metric system for me. Did you, it's surprising to me that you didn't follow that path professionally then because I I think you might be our biggest music fan we've ever had like or, would you agree uh, like John at seems least, like, pretty he, he is that's true he's pretty deep but like the way you break it down the way you understand it and interpret it and, and all of that is like just so in depth of, of like such a deep love of yeah. music and following that path and that might just be how your brain works too I don't know you super well well it's it's there's part of me that it, it, you know I don't want to know the secret to Coke cola yeah i don't want to know how to make coke yeah but i do want to know what the process is yeah just for my own enjoyment you know what you're drinking yeah yeah Yeah. um and so for me music has always been that thing of like how is this recorded you know were the drums recorded in a big cavernous room were they recorded in an elevator shaft like led zeppelin yeah like uh (laughs) what was you know I mean, even John's episode talking about uh, the guitar solo uh, in uh, You Really Got Me by the Kinks. Yeah. And my favorite guitar solo of all time. Not a distortion pedal. They just pricked the, <laughs> yeah. pricked the, the amp. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, all of those kinds of things, I just dig and I can hear it in the music. Mm-hmm. That That's, to me, the big thing. When you can hear the the, the difference and, and, and the tones and the dynamic shifts, mm-hmm. especially when you're going from something like Blood Sugar Sex Magic into Under the Bridge, yeah. Yeah. when those moments happen and you can actually hear the, the difference in, 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 in how it was recorded, yeah. that just leaves an imprint for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at, you know, it's because of this album that that's always, that's always fascinated me. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city I live in, the city of angels, lonely as I am. When this single came out and the video came out and then it became what it what it did, it mm-hmm. like confirmed to me like I'm not alone. No. Yeah. There are other people like this and, and, and you know, obviously that song for a lot of people, I mean, it just, it was, it changed things for a lot of people. She sees my good deeds and she kisses the wind. 
That was the first one I had ever heard. Yeah. Because I'm not, I, I would not say, I'm not not a fan, but like my entrance to it was just through the radio. And then my, I think my brother had this CD. And so it was just, I don't even think he played it that much that I can remember because his yeah. music taste like was a little bit different than this. But uh, yeah, Under the Bridge. And so it almost feels like like that being the entrance into Red Hot Chili Peppers for me is almost deceiving yeah, a yeah. little bit because it's like it's not like, really a Chili Peppers song yeah it's like based it on his po- a poem that Anthony Kiedis mm-hmm. had written that like Rick Rubin had just found in a journal or something yeah. like uh, but it's still beautiful I mean it's a beautiful song it was know? also the for me there was there was something about this particular era where I was really starting to become obsessed with like Okay, what is this song about? Yeah. And what are the lyrics about? And how autobiographical are these lyrics? And, you know, obviously, Kurt Cobain was, you know, part of it was always like, what the fuck is he talking about? But then also (laughs) knowing, like, no, he's angry and all that sort of stuff. That one particularly was like, oh, yeah, he's a former heroin addict Mm -hmm. who, you know, had to go under the bridge and lie to the Mexican, like, gangsters so that he could shoot up. That Like, Mm -hmm. that was very different from anything, any other songs I'd heard before. (laughs) And I I didn't necessarily relate to that, but I related to how personal that was and felt like I was like learning something do you know what i mean um not learning how to make coca-cola but learning enough about it to sort of go like oh i see what music can be sometimes it can be uh you know a way to actually convey how you feel and what your story is and all those sorts of things yeah it's just stuff that didn't occur to me prior to that I do. Yeah. How do you approach music with them? I always, I, I find that the most fascinating of people who love music so much because I, I am excited every day to share yeah. music with my daughter. And like, I think about it and I put a lot of thought into like, do I want her to hear this album right now? Like, and she's one. I mean, there's yeah. no like, there's it's <laughs> yeah. nothing yet. But uh, do you think about that? Like, is that something that... Oh, is for Im- sure. I mean, I always want to have it on. I mean, I remember when uh, my first daughter was born, the Ch- a Chili Peppers album had just come out and there was one song that was kind of like an, an upbeat sort of funky thing and so I would just hold her and shake her and she'd just <laughs> laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. laugh. So, so I've got like 20 videos of that. But I'm always trying to play music. I'm passionate about music and it's, it's rubbed off on them. But it's their version of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so... Look, I mean, I didn't want to go to the Pink concert yeah. at Staples Center, but my daughter did. And I remember going to my first concert and it being life-changing for me, March 5th, 1990, Arco Arena, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, <laughs> oh. on the Full Moon Fever oh. Tour with oh, Lenny wow. Kravitz opening up. Wow. Um, oh, so, wow. I mean, I don't know if she's going to remember the Pink concert the way that I remember that concert. Yeah. But 
you know, it's there for her. It's there for them if they want it. Yeah. And they just want to be able to dig it. And and if that means I have to listen to music that I don't necessarily like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, I'm waiting for the moment where they turn me on to something. That's what I can't wait that for. Yeah. I don't know about, and then I love it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, and it's strange. Like I'll admit it like when you see you know your firstborn singing her heart out to like Katy Perry I fucking bawled my eyes out like if (laughs) I ever see Katy Perry I'm going straight up to her and saying like look this is what you need to know about what your music means to people because it made me cry because my my daughter loves it Um, and those kinds of things are important do you know what I mean and that's you know, there was a big gray period in my life where my parents' musical taste did not affect me, and that's when I found my own. Yeah. But I remember those moments where they were playing music, and, and I think that's one of the main reasons why it became so important to me. And, you know, to discover music at a specific time in your life with a specific album like this one for me that has so many identifiable songs. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's a it's a cornerstone, you know, for yeah. for for life. Yeah. You can do a dissertation on <laughs> all three of these musicians in this band. They're all, I, I'm not saying you, but one yeah. can do because there's just incredible musicianship the pushing three of them. yeah pushing uh, their instruments farther than they've been before. And I think that's part of the reason why I love this band is that they 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 never become about that. I think it's because they're just so fun. They never feel pretentious. Yeah. It's all about a party. It's yeah. The time. But, and and I think that's actually a thing that a lot of people forget. You know, th- there's a lot of stuff that you can. There's a lot of jokes you can make about them. You know, since then. Yeah. You know, um, which I think some of them are really grossly unfair, and then some of them are are. maybe somewhat legit like don't just list states in a song like maybe don't do that um but it's like the monster yeah Yeah, a little bit but if you go see them live it is a different experience it is the the three of them and 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 obviously john is no longer in the band but there's a a a a new guitarist josh klinghoffer who's incredible i mean he's an incredible guitarist and was sort of like I don't want to say a protege of John but they, they were actually very close yeah. um, and I'm older than he is now which is like oh mm. I miss I miss my boat yeah. <laughs> if I had just started studying we would have st- we would have learned at the same time yeah. um, but them as musicians John Chad and Flea and then Anthony finding his space amongst those three musicians it they were the first example of I, I saw of me realizing a band is not an entity. A band is an entity, but it's personalities and skills brought together that make that band what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You could argue that the fifth member of the band, if there if there ever was one was um, Rick Rubin. Mm-hmm. And this was the first one that Rick Rubin produced. Gotcha. In fact, this but In this song was one that um, 
uh, Rick Rubin insisted that they record, like basically just a driving around in a car with the girl song, and mm-hmm. and Anthony Kiedis has gone on record saying, I hate this song <laughs> with a passion. <laughs> <laughs> I hate every lyric. I hate it all. Um, which that I, always I, blows my a, mind. In a strange way, I can understand, but uh, I I actually like the song. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, the one thing about that lineup change uh, history that always blows my mind about this particular band is Frashanti left the, the band in the middle of a tour, right? Like he yeah. was like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> they were in the middle. They were in Japan. Japan, and uh-huh. then they got another guitarist, and I don't know if he didn't have much time. That's the part that I'm like. That's crazy that you're like joining the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and it's not just easy guitar playing. You're, you're and it's it, there's not another guitarist. You're the only guitarist. Yeah, that that he was able to just accomplish. Arik, he, he didn't yeah. last the no. Eric Marshall lasted the rest of well. He no. He, he, he finished he, the tour. He finished the tour. They did Lollapalooza. Yeah. Um, you were so not at that one. I, which I was not at. Um, you know, he wore the the, the, the construction Flaming. worker hat with yeah. the flames on it. Yeah. And uh, and then after that tour, they fired him. Then they hired another guitarist. I want to say his name was Jesse Tobias. Don't I? This is why. I, this is the shit yeah. I remember. Um, but then they never recorded with him. And then they dropped him, and then eventually Navarro. Navarro came in, and I will go on record. This is the record, a this record, is a, the most um, official record. One Hot Minute is a great record. I, I love that. Album. I love that album. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. It's totally different. It's dark. It's 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 the polar opposite of what this is. Well, people are already reacting to that statement. <laughs> I'm sure. This is not even live yet. But, people but, if, but uh, honestly, like, if they, uh, I mean, I think they've played a couple of songs off that uh, album every now and again, and I would love to hear that. I would love yeah. to hear them perform the whole album. Too, yeah. right on, I, I like that one, too. This song is actually kind of important. Um, for a couple of reasons. This song was actually written um, about Hillel Slovak, mm. who um, was uh, their first guitarist, um, who died of a heroin overdose, and was one of the reasons why Anthony ended up sort of cleaning up his act. Um, but, you know, that was, um, even as a young, um, a young kid, to be able to and this is one of the things, again, about the band specifically that I think spoke to me, that the friendship between Anthony and Flea was evident. They were best friends, and me longing to have that mm-hmm. sort of same thing. And look, I'll be honest, you know, my best friend and I, we're very close, but we're different. Mm-hmm. We're very different. I've never really had a friend on that level yeah. that is like a, like a brother. Um, and then to hear this song, which was about their third friend, mm-hmm. the, their third brother who passed away, you know, to, I mean, to hear a song about um, a man singing about how he misses his friend. Yeah. That's, another man. Like, yeah. Yeah. never heard that before. No, no. Um, you know. And for a, a risky, like for an, a, 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 young, a 12-year-old young man... You don't allow yourself to feel those things. Yeah. No, often. not at all. And, you know, again, not the first time it's been done, yeah. but 
when it impacts you, you know, when it does, you know, get you, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. This, okay. So this is the Sir Psycho Sexy. This is obviously a song about friendship. Yes. Um, (laughs) Oh, it's got an E next to it. Um, Entertaining. No, this one was another <laughs> song because th- this one for me, obviously, it, look, it's about sex, so there, I was instantly interested. <laughs> but it was also the dirtiest funk song that they had that once I learned to play, it was the most ex- fun song to play. Oh, that's cool. Because it was just this weird kind of lobby kind of just like lumbering funk song that had you know you could hear all the different vocal tracks you know like even that part where you can hear John sing but you can hear Anthony sing but he's singing in a different key like there's just all these different stuff and yet it's also a song about like you know just having sex um, which is pretty cool but (laughs) but it changes and the song opens up and becomes something else entirely, which was a massive eye-opener for me in terms of musical structure and, and what that can be. The, the fact that a song can start so dirty and funky and and just be in this thing and then have an interlude like this, where there's like a xylophone yeah. and all this stuff and just this weird stuff. And then it opens up into this like Beatles-esque ending that is so beautiful and so gorgeous that you almost wish that that was a song that you know you wish that that was a song and the fact that there's like it I mean this is the longest song on the record yeah seven minutes it's a meal it's a meal it's a meal it's a full meal it's breakfast lunch and dinner with some snacks in between (laughs) Um, but it has all of these like these moments and then at the end we'll, when we get to it see I'm now doing the thing that I hate <laughs> that's what this, this you is know, what this podcast is we've purposely purposely brought you here to do that thing <laughs> so the second that we stop recording if you do that we're going to call you out on it <laughs> yeah. so it yeah. comes back and it's this now is the loudest <laughs> the dirtiest the funkiest part it's the like the apex of the song I defy you to not bob your head while yeah. you're listening to this song. I mean, it's and and even you know, even if you zone out on the lyrics, the, the staccato sort of it forces the it. way yeah. that he f- delivers it. It's it's fantastic. And then and it's sad. And then we're off to this whole other place. And it's melodic and it's beautiful. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It's the polar opposite of what the beginning of the song was. But it's this perfect resolution to it that sort of is a perfect encapsulation of what the album is. Yeah. It's a little bit of everything. Um, It's sort of like the paranoid android of this yeah, oh, that's very interesting. Big. I've never thought of that, but that's true. <laughs> um, it's this 
it's a gorgeous piece of music yeah. with strings and the arrangement of it and the melancholiness of it. Um, the Mellotron coming in and adding this whole other sort of ethereal sort of component. There's just something about this that it def- definitely feels like not only in the song that you've been on a journey, but the whole, the whole album. It opened my my mind up to like, oh no, like songs can be so much more. Yeah. And it goes on for a long time. It's so time. good, yeah. <laughs> it goes on for a long time. All right, we should probably transition into the What Did I Learn Today segment. I've never heard of, do you say DC albums? CD album, decent Christian, decent Christian band, CDs. I've never, I didn't know, I've never heard that DC talk. I've never heard that term before. No, that's not a term. That was the name of the band. The name of the band. Yeah, DC Christian DC talk, and the DC stood for decent Christian talk. Yeah, never heard of that. I'm Jenny Wade knows Jenny Wade, who is also on the Good Guys with us. Yeah, a show that I was on with Joel didn't make the intro, but Jenny Wade. <laughs> Jenny Wade actually, when I made a DC Talk reference, Jenny Wade is like, I, I had a bunch of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> she, she knew who, who they were. She went through that slide. Um, but yeah, it's a DC Talk. But, you know, decent Christian talk. I guess that's a phrase, too. It's, uh, it so, should be. I you know, like. just some decent Christian talk. <laughs> but I knew everything that you said about the chili peppers already, so that was not new information. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I learned about Tower Records starting in Sacramento. Um, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I moved here in 2002 and Tower Records, the, the Tower Records in town and Hollywood was still in existence and I yeah. went there quite a few times. I feel fortunate that I did. That's where I met the Indigo Girls. Oh, really? I went to a signing of the Indigo Girls. We didn't get to the end of this episode without mentioning the Indigo Girls. I won't. I won't do it. And I also (laughs) met John Waters at one. Oh, no kidding. Did you buy your tickets to Lilith Fair? I I did buy a bunch of tickets. That was my Lollapalooza that I didn't get to go to. But I did used to buy my concert tickets there. There you go. Bass Ticketron. What about you? What did I learn about? Sunset Rubdown. Yes. Uh, never, never heard of that band. Never heard that song. Okay. It's 10 years old. Yeah. That's crazy. I will, I'll be very curious if you do go and listen to the album now, um, what you think, maybe no, do knowing it your your love of music. Maybe do it I won't that. be insulted if you don't like it. It's, it's just for me. Maybe, well, I'm not going to listen to it when I'm walking down the aisle because I've already been there. <laughs> <laughs> Colin Hanks is an actor and director hailing from Sacramento, California. He is best known for his roles in Fargo, Life in Pieces, Orange County, and the most and most recently the Jumanji film series. He also has a line of original handkerchiefs called Hanks Kerchiefs that can be found at HanksKerchiefs.com, Insta, Twitter at Colin Hanks, and also oh, I forgot your character's name in The Good Guys. Uh, Jack. Jack on The Good Guys, and I was. Hodges. Hodges. Ever, did nobody, we ever get a first name? Did we oh, ever, there was. Did, did did you ever get a first name? I think you had great was, ties. <laughs> I do remember that. 
Uh, I think nice, it was something nice lame. Tie. Too. It was nice tie. Yeah. If that had been a movie, literally, it would just be a collection of me and and Whitford just going nice fucking tie. <laughs> but since it was TV show, we just say nice tie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Colin, thank you so much for joining. Thank, thank you, so you guys much. so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this particular album is very, very important to me. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at this particular album. Follow us on Twitter at particular album. The show is produced by me, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by James Mulholland. Music by... Ugh, stop talking about yourself. See you next time. Campfire.